Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel continues his study in Genesis. He's preaching from Genesis chapter 9 this week with the message entitled, The Bow. So I want to begin today by reading from Genesis 9. So if you would stand with me, Genesis 9, it's on page 6 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. Genesis 9, I'd like to start in verse 11. Genesis 9, verse 11. I established my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. But we all know the way that humanity goes. We know the way that our heart goes. We're always going to fall. Sin is always going to come. But the good news that we have is that God stepped in and made a covenant with us and broke the cycle of sin. And we're going to see that this morning. But first, let's, let's pray again. Lord, as we come to your word, uh, we need the wisdom. We need, we need the words from you. Lord, that would speak to our hearts, that would challenge us, that would convict us in areas that we need to be convicted of. And Lord, more than anything, that we would hear your voice inviting us in to this precious relationship that you have created with humanity, that you have made a way to break the cycle of sin. And so Lord, as we come to your words this morning, uh, this story that can be sometimes confusing and uh, lots of questions, Lord, I pray that you would just... Let us hear very clear this morning what you'd have for us. Lord, you'd open our eyes so that we could see, soften our hearts, Lord, so that we could understand and we would receive your forgiveness and covering this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me go ahead and have a seat now. Before we actually get to the text, I want to introduce you to one of my high school friends. Uh, His name was Corey. Uh, Corey was one of the cool guys. You had them all in high school. Uh, everyone loved him. He was one of the heartthrobs. All the girls liked his hair for some reason. I don't know why, but they just all loved his hair. He, this was down in Augusta, Georgia at Butler High School. He had a country accent, uh, kind of a smooth country accent, a big red truck, and he always played Led Zeppelin. So I don't know how those fit together. Uh, we played on the same soccer team uh, together. He was a, a midfielder, and I was a forward, so we played All the time we had several classes uh, together. So we were friends uh, all growing up. We graduated in 95. That dates me back a ways. Uh, But since that time, I've lost touch with Corey. Uh, I didn't really uh, keep up with him, except through Facebook. And it is weird seeing friends uh, through one-line statements to fly over the years. Like You don't hear anything of them, and then a year later you see... Uh, a little post. Let, let me just give you a flyover of, of Corey's life the last 10 years. 2010, 
Living in the moment, and the moment's good. Feel the future will be good. A year later, 2011. Dying to get out of the mess I'm in right now. 2012. Out the clank. I got out of jail. Out the clank. Starting over again. Life gets better every day. And at the end of that year, he wrote, Happy New Year. In two hours, I start 2013 with a year of sobriety. 2013. Do not judge a person for mistakes. Just pray that they have learned from them. A year later, 2014. Just got out. Just got home. Ready to start again and get it right this time. I'm ready to dedicate my entire life to sobriety, to help others, to my family, and most of all, to Christ. 2017. You either on my side, by my side, or in my way. Choose wisely. 2020. It's a shame when you confide in someone that you've relapsed and they block you. Well, uh, you're left to fill in the days and the months of Corey's life. But you can kind of tell, right? Uh, there's, there's a cycle that he's in. It's a good start. He has all the right aspirations only to like fall into sin and addiction, uh, to end up in a really bad mess that he's in. Only that he's like, I want to start again, and I'm starting all over again. This time I'm going to get it right, and every day is getting better, only to fall into that cycle of sin again and again. And we, so we get this roller coaster of emotions, of coming to Jesus moments, only to fall back again. Well, I, I think Corey, he's not far from each one of us, right? We go through these roller coasters of emotions that we're going to do it this year. We're going to get it right, only to fall into this sin, uh, this pattern of, of failure over and over. Now, in the same way that Corey was given second chances, only to fall again, we're going to look at our text today and see Noah was given a second chance, a new creation. He could start all over again, and we're going to see that he quickly falls. But the good news is, is that right in the middle of this, what like cuts through the story is that God steps in and offers this covenant of grace to Noah and humanity. The only thing that cuts through the cycle of sin. Well, maybe this morning you can identify with, with Corey. Uh, you, you might be here wondering, man, when am I going to be free? When, when am I going like, to release this anger, this jealousy that, that I have? I want to try really hard. When can I finally overcome my addiction? What, what's the hope for humanity? Well, this brings us back to our text today. We're going to see Noah. He gets this fresh new start. Uh, the world has literally been washed clean, and he's going out again. And we're like, this time we're finally going to get it right, right? Only to see him take the fruit of the vine and fall into the same cycle of sin that Adam did. But the promise of God, right in the middle of it, we're going we're gonna to see, is, is that God promises this covenant, this relationship with his people that breaks this cycle of sin. It's not about if we can hold on to God strong enough. It's about him reaching down and holding on to us. The hope of Christianity is not that we can get it right someday, but that God moves on every one of your behalf while you are stuck in sin. 
Well, let's first look and see Noah as he's given this fresh start. Have your Bibles. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Noah is given a fresh new start. He steps off the boat. He's got his family, all these animals. The wickedness, the violence, the evil in the world has been washed clean, and here we go. Chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you green plants... I give you everything, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. For your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image." And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. This section begins and ends with this creation mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. Go out. It's like an inclusio. This is a section uh, right at the beginning here. We're starting over. Be fruitful and multiply. Uh, We have the image of the garden in the back of our minds. Uh, Even in the text, it says, look, just like I gave you everything to eat in the garden, well, except for one tree. Don't eat that one tree. But I give you everything to eat in the garden. Here, once again, I'm giving you everything to eat, even the animals. I'm giving you everything, well, except for one thing. Don't eat the animals with like, life in them. Well, I mean, what I'm talking about is blood. Don't, don't eat animals with the blood in them because there's something uh, powerful about the blood, This blood, he symbolizes with with life. If there's blood in the animal, it means the animal is alive. But when the blood is pouring out, it means death. There there is life in the blood. Now, in the same way, he says, humanity, with with the blood pulsing in us, there's something sacred going on because we are imaging, we are mirroring, we are reflecting a living God. The blood in us symbolizes this powerful life of our Creator. There's life in the blood. Just hold that, hold that thought. Uh, the story, then, is, is interrupted. We're given this new start by Noah. Be fruitful and multiply. And there's power in the blood. Uh, and then the story is like almost just interrupted. Uh, We don't get the story of Noah at this moment. It's like God steps in and goes, I know the way of humanity. I know the way this is going to work. And I need to tell you something before we even start. Uh, Something that I've done before, but I want to make very clear to you now. I'm going to make a covenant with humanity. Uh, Look in verse 8. Then God said to Noah, (coughs) excuse me, and his sons with him, Behold, I will establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you 
And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Let's stop right, right there. This, uh, this sin that is about to come, God breaks through and says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. A, a covenant now, now, as we read it, you might have read it and go, boy, this sure seems repetitive. Uh, and it kind of is. But did you count the number of times covenant is being used there? Can you take a guess how many times it would be used? Seven times. Seven times God says, covenant. I'm making a covenant, a sign of the covenant. It's the covenant, the covenant, the covenant. This covenant is fulfilling something. It's repetitive, and it's the point that God's trying to make. God enters into this formalized relationship with humanity that's going to cost him, and it's going to cost him dearly. But without this covenant, we're, we, we as humans, we're doomed because we're on this cycle of sin over and over again. That's sin, and that means death and judgment. So what's going to break the cycle of sin? The covenant. Now, we've heard the term covenant before. If you've been to a wedding, I'm sure you've heard the term covenant. Uh, we use it at, at weddings sometimes. But let me give you a definition of what the word covenant means. A covenant is the deepest of all agreements that formalize a relationship. It's this deepest of all agreements two people can make that, that sets in motion. Here's how, here's how it's going to work uh, together. There's promises made, commitments made on both of the parties. And it's different than like a contract. A contract is like, how are these two individuals going to function together? Uh, a covenant is really, how do you take these two and how do they become one? It's not a 50-50. Like, if you do this, then I'll do this. It's 100%, 100%. And in this covenant that God makes with humanity, God is all in. He, he, he actually doesn't even say, this is what I want you to do. He just says, look, I know you're going to mess up again and again. I'm going to make a covenant with you. If God doesn't make this covenant, we're all dead. But God doesn't make this covenant with like the hopes of like one day they're going to get it right. One day, it's all going to be great, and I just have hope for humanity that one day they'll, they'll be on the right path and not in the cycle of sin over and over. Humans will get better. That's not why he makes the covenant. He actually makes the covenants because he knows from youth, sin has a grip on us. And if it wasn't for this covenant, we'd, we'd be sunk. 
If sin entered the world uh, without this covenant, we'd see the storm clouds in the sky as they hurl rain down on us, and we would think, we're going to drown again. These clouds that would come over like in Noah's day, uh, like weapons of, of justice. Could you imagine Noah, after he got out of the ark, and the first time that he sins again, uh, you wonder if he like looked up to the clouds and saw this little black cloud forming in the sky and thought, oh no, here it comes again. We were given this fresh start and we've already messed up again. But instead of seeing that little black cloud, all of a sudden there's like this bow in the cloud. God's covenant of grace cuts through and places this bow in the clouds. And it's not even for our remembrance, it's for God's remembrance. It's like we don't even have to do anything and God's holding on to us. Well, God's not throwing his hands up with humanity like, now what do I do with these guys? Uh, no, this is, uh, this is a plan from the very beginning. God's sovereignly working out a way to redeem and rescue humanity, not based on what we can do. He, he's doing it before we even sin. Do you see that? He gets off, no, he gets off the boat, and the next thing God says is, I want you to know I'm making a covenant with you so that even when you mess up, I'm creating a way to restore a relationship. I'm the one reaching down and holding on to you. Uh, he is the one that is bringing salvation. He is the one that is strong enough to hold on to us, not us hold on to him. So now that Noah's gotten off the boat, he's given this covenant and going, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing humanity away. I'm going to make a way. And then we get the first story of Noah uh, that we, is recorded, and it's not, it's not pretty. Uh, we actually get in this condensed little narrative it's really a plot line the same as Adam in Genesis 3. Uh, so as, if you've been here in the story, there's so many things that are similar. It should uh, pique our imagination to think of what is going on here. There's going to be a lot unanswered, uh, but I think it's to engage us in to see where am I at in this story as well. Uh, so I won't answer all your questions, and there's going to be an area where I'm just going to kind of skip over uh, a little bit. You can ask me later because it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, verse 18. This is, a, this is really a Noah fall, fall story. Verse 18, the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, now, now Ham, you need to know this. Ham was the father of Canaan. Now, if you look in your Bibles in chapter 10, you, you'll see there's a long list of whole genealogies. Uh, we see Ham, he actually had a lot of kids. Uh, and we also know that Shem and Japheth, they have kids, and they have kids, and they have kids. There's, there's a lot of people. There's like 70 people in Genesis 10 that's listed. Why just the one person here? Why do we need to know that Ham was the father of Canaan? Well, I'm just going to propose that there is something about this story that's important to know that Canaan was the father, or Ham was the father of Canaan. So, something's going on here. I'll just leave it at that. Verse 19. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Verse 20. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. Stop right there. Uh, Noah begins to be a man of the soil. 
from the ground, uh, from this Adama, this soil, is this man. It's like it's proposing, here we go again, Noah is like another Adam in the garden, and he plants a vineyard. Uh, somebody else has planted something as well. In Genesis 2, God plants a garden in Eden and puts Adam in the garden. So God has planted a garden, and now we see that, that Noah, as he gets off, becomes a man of the ground and plants a, a vineyard. And he becomes like this new, new Adam, and, and we have hopes and aspirations. Good, we're going to get it right this time, right? Of course Noah wouldn't be like Adam, what a blind, crazy man that would do that. Come on, who would do that? That's got to be what Noah's thinking. Well, verse 21. Noah, this new kind of Adam-like figure, he reaches on the vine and takes the fruit and he drinks of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham... No, remember the father of Canaan? Yet he saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their, their faces were turned backwards and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from the wine and he knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. Remember, that's Ham's son. Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brother. 26, he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Noah begins to be like this Adam in a garden, and he plants a vineyard. He sees the fruit of the vine. He reaches out, and he grabs it and is deceived and lays uncovered in his tent. Uh, he's vulnerable. He, he's, in a, he's in a place that uh, things could go really bad for him. And, and sure enough, one of his sons takes advantage of him. Ham goes, uh, he looks in, and he sees the nakedness of his father, and, and then he invites his brothers, come see the nakedness of our father. Come, come see. T take, of, take of this fruit as well. Well, it, it begs the question, what's the nakedness of his father? Uh, whatever it is, it's ugly and yucky. Uh, it, it could be just that Noah was naked and then he was disrespected. Uh, and it's just a, a bad thing. Uh, there's some things in Leviticus that we're supposed to like hide and not show our, our nakedness and some things. And Leviticus is what we've already seen in Le Genesis and Leviticus already. talks about the nakedness of the father is actually the nakedness of the mother. And so if you see, uncover the nakedness of your mother, you've actually uncovered the nakedness of your father. This weird Leviticus 17, 18, if you want to read it. So it could be talking about some kind of relationship between uh, the son and the mother. It could be talking about some kind of relationship between the son and the, the father. And I'm just going to leave it at that and let you... Uh, explore it further. Any option you get, and there's a couple other ones, any option you get, it just gets worse from there. Uh, it's bad. It's yucky. It's, it's ugly. If you're really interested, uh, I'd love to tell you about it, what I think. Uh, I, I have an idea what it is, but I don't want to say it in mixed company. Uh, 
So you can ask that later. Here, here's the overall idea, though. Here, here's what I think the narrative is even trying to, to get us to. Noah steps off the boat. He has this great opportunity for redemption, for like new life again. He's finally going to get it right, and he falls. He sins. And not just he sins, his son sins. And not just his son sins, his son's son, sons start impacting, feeling the weight of this sin. Sin is not going away. This cycle of sin is just going to keep on going. How are we going to get through it? What are we going to do? Well, the brothers Shem and Japheth, uh, they are offered the fruit of the vine. They're, they're like another Adam. Hey, come see the nakedness of your father. Ham goes, come on, join in to this sin, whatever it is, join in. But rather than being like Adam, Shem and Japheth, they, they, they reflect God. They don't take of the fruit. Instead, they take of a garment. Do you remember what God did after Adam and Eve were in the garden. He takes a garment and covers over them. So Shem and Japheth, instead of acting like Adam, they reflect God to get through this cycle of sin and, and they take this, this garment, they walk backwards and they, and they lay this garment over the nakedness of their father, whatever that is. They, they cover over the sin. Uh, that word cover can actually be uh, translated like concealed or even forgiven. It's covered over. The sin is covered over. And, and, and this sin that's covered over by these brothers leads to actually blessing. Later, our word atonement carries the same meaning. To, to atone for something means to cover over something. Now, now these sons did not cover over Noah's sin because Noah got it all right. Because now we were finally in a good place. No, they, they took hold of some covering, and I think it's really placed in line with the covenant and the blood. They took hold of the covering of God saying, it's not that you're going to be good enough, but that God's going to hold on to you. And so Shem and Japheth, they take hold of that covering and go, you're forgiven. There, there's, this, there's this way of breaking through the power of sin. There is this power in God's covenant to reach down to us. There is power in the, in the blood of humanity. And I think for all of us, as we come kind of to the end of this section, I think all of us need to be reminded of God's covenant. This relationship that he has made and offered to each one of you, not based on how good you are or how strong you can hold on to God, but how strong he wants to hold on to you. See, we all fall short. I, I look at Corey's life, and, and actually before me is this fruit of pride. Well, I didn't do it that bad. I mean, I haven't been in the clank. I'm actually a pastor. And I want to take and reach that fruit of the pride and then end up on the cycle of sin. And maybe it's not pride for you. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it is some kind of addiction or, or failure or feeling like, man, I, I just, there's no way I could measure up. But the answer isn't being better. The answer isn't like, oh, if you could just be a little bit better, then God will, then God will hold on to you. The, the covenant breaks the cycle of sin, and God says, I will make a way, I will hold on to you when you can't hold on. 
And then it's simply grace that covers that. That's what we need to take hold of. The grace of God's covenant, his relationship with us, made, made possible by the blood. Well, maybe this morning you've, you've wandered away from God. Maybe, you, maybe you're like Corey, and you're like, man, I've so messed up my life. I mean, I, I'm later on in my life, and I've never walked with Jesus, and now I'm at the point where I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, what? And I'm feeling like I don't have anything to give. Well, guess what? None of us do. So even if you've been, uh, came to Christ as a little kid, and you've grown up in the church, and you feel like, you know, I've got it pretty dialed in there, I think it's, it's our chance to repent and go, it's not us. It is not us that holds on to God. We all receive the grace through the covenant of Jesus. And then this changes how we see other people, doesn't it? We don't look at other people along the way and be like, well, I wish they would do better. What, to be like me? That's not it. I wish they would do better. I wish they could, uh, you know, just be better people. But rather, it changes our, our mindset, our filtered other people to go, I wish they understood the grace and the love of Jesus that hold on to them. That they can come back at any moment and Jesus would be like, yep, I got you covered. Well, this leads us to uh, the table this morning there is a reminder that we all need of the covenant. That's through the blood. Uh, that's not about you. Uh, it's about what he has done and covered over for you. And all you have to do is take it, receive it as a gift. Uh, so you might think, well, I don't know. I didn't live good enough life this week to come to the table. And I want to tell you, then come to the table. This is where you're covered. Uh, let me read Matthew 26, 26. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, for the coverings of sin." I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you, uh, drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So we're given this reminder uh, as often as we do this uh, that it's God's got you. He, he, he's holding on to you and he's inviting you into this relationship. Uh, and the community table is just the reminder of that. Um, so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and we're just uh, as we worship over these next couple songs. I'm just going to invite you. Uh, yeah, you can come on up. I'm going to invite you uh, to come up to one of the tables, uh, grab the elements. If you need uh, time by yourself, that's great. If you want to come up as a family and take it, if you want to uh, grab some for your spouse that's back in the pew, do do that. Uh, just over the next three uh, songs, uh, just come. Uh, to the table, knowing that it's not you. It's, it's God covering over you in his blood. Let me pray. Lord, I, I, as we all come here this morning, we all come from the exact same position. Lord, there's not stronger ones of us and weaker ones of us. Lord, we all are in debt to your grace 
through the covenant that you did. That what breaks through our cycle of sin is the grace of the covenant. That your son Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He died on a cross, was buried and raised again. Uh, and through his blood, his life, uh, we can identify in his death and identify in his life. That there is life in the blood. So as we take the elements, even as we are, are singing, Lord, will we re be reminded that our sins can be forgiven? We can have a renewed relationship with you. And Lord, will we re be reminded of that um, often, that you have made a way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.